Movies and Booze. I'm Moncrief on News Talk. 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk and it is indeed time for Movies and Booze once again. And just to remind you, this day, next week, we'll be in Cork uh, on our Movies and Booze tour. We'll be broadcasting from the Triscoll Arts Centre with the usual mix of stuff, music, interviews, uh, and of course, movie and wine reviews. Thanks to our friends in Marks and Spencer. If you'd like to be there in the audience, you can go on to newstalk.com forward slash events. Uh, the tickets are free, but get quickly there because uh, they do go out, uh, they do run out quickly and of course you have to be 18 or over uh, to take part. We are joined today though uh, by Chris Wasser, Rachel Ryan and Mick O'Connell. Good afternoon uh, to you all. Good, Good afternoon. afternoon. Uh, I hope you're all well. So are we talking about two movies today that are based on, on games, Chris? It, it looks that way from the outside, yeah. We're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which is, as you say, based on a board game, which is based on a role-playing tabletop game yeah. uh, from the 70s. But the Tetris film that we'll be looking at, I am thankful to say, is not based on the video game, but instead the licensing war that took place behind the scenes before Tetris became a hit outside of Russia. So there were actually, at, at one stage, plans to turn Tetris into a proper sci-fi adventure which we'll get into later but no this is the story behind Tetris right which is actually interesting because it was made oh, in yeah. the Soviet Union yeah. and and somehow kind of got out by accident oh yeah, yeah yeah made by a guy who just liked putting puzzles together who just liked playing games and creating his own and it just became it went from being a hobby to the most sought after video game of the 1980s yeah so there's a fabulous story behind it so yeah don't tune out because the first time <laughs> I, I just think the first thing you hear when you hear Tetris film is no don't want anything to do with that you think emoji movie but it's nothing like that <laughs> right okay but I'm yeah not to give away spoilers I doubt that guy's a millionaire now living in Russia uh, I I won't say anything. Yeah, yeah but you okay. can look it up. But, you can yeah, look it up. They anyway. were success in People the end. Yeah. We've just given yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the two wines we're doing today uh, make both have faces on them. Is is is? Yeah, you know, it's, like it's, sometimes you're hungover and you're reaching for a theme. Sometimes, and, and and you look around and you kind of have a look at the labels and you're like, those two wines have a face on the label. That's a perfect theme for movies yeah. and booze. So these two happen to have faces. One is an attractive young woman and one is an attractive young man. Okay, are they related in any way? Or, <laughs> no or, no way know. that I'm aware of. I mean, one's Spanish and one's Austrian. Okay. So you never know. Maybe there's some very, could be very cousins loose, or something. Like, yeah. They're, yeah. They're both O'Reilly's though, so are they? Oh. No, not really. Okay. No. <laughs> so credulous, I really am. Ah, <laughs> oh, right, okay. So they just both have faces on them. Is both, that, both is, have faces. Is, is that a, that's not really a common thing, putting faces on wine. I no, thought. but you know what? It really works. It people does. people come in, they recognise them straight away, they're like, I know that guy. I've had that guy before. He's really Tasty. He's a delicious yeah. guy. He's, yeah. Yeah, lovely. And, and his dad is, we call him the Rod Stewart because he looks like Rod Stewart. And you know what? People remember the wine because of the faces. The, the first wine we're going to taste is Guttago. It's a cult natural wine producer from Austria. And I talk to people more about this wine perhaps than any other wine just because people come in and go, that's a cool illustration on the label. Tell me about it. Okay. So are the faces of real people? So, the handsome man on the Matsu, which yeah. is uh, a Spanish wine from Toro in central Spain, this is a real person, but we don't think he has anything to do with the production of the wine. Okay. The Good Argo is uh, a family that was basically invented as a, 
as a way of telling the story of the wines. So they're they're caricatures, they're they're um, stencils, effectively. Okay, all right. And white paper. And, and Richard, you know that bloke, the bloke with the hat. The bloke the th- with yeah. the hat, I've tasted him before. He's very nice, but I've also tasted his gra- his dad or his granddad. So, so there's three both. lads. Yeah. This is so weird. It's, yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. Somebody story. just tuned in right <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been uh, him and his dad. <laughs> Thankfully, not the granddad. Yes. Right, okay. But they, the granddad is fantastic also. Yeah, also yeah. handsome man. But obviously not together. That would be sick. That would be yeah, weird. Yeah. I also thought that they actually produced the wine. In my head, I had this story that the, the young lad did one particular variety and then his dad like grew the vines next they're, door. But I just made it up in my head. They're too handsome for that, surely. It's true. Sure, he's got a career as a model now, so he yeah, just needs to be growing wine. There, there's, there's more money in other things, and this man can make <laughs> money from his face. Right, so wine producers tend not to be handsome? I didn't say that. Okay. As someone who makes wine, Sean. Yes, so exactly, you're disproving your own point. <laughs> 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 Nicely saved, Moncrief, once again. Uh, right, so there's going to be a live-action version of uh, Aristocats. Oh, I'm really excited about That's this. That's interesting. Isn't it? So Disney announced this during the week. Um, It's a live action remake. Uh, It was one of my favourite Disney movies as a kid. And in my head, I thought, sure, that was must have been the 90s, maybe the late 80s. The original animated movie is from 1970. Did everyone else know Crikey. that? Yeah, but it held up very well, yeah. didn't it? Uh, so this is going to be a live action remake. Um, we have uh, Quest Love is going to be majorly behind this. You might know him from The Roots. He's, you know, the Jimmy Kimmel show. They have a band. You might know him from The Roots. You might know him from The yeah. Roots. Uh, he's going <laughs> yeah. to be, um, he's going to be narrating And produced uh, Summer of Soul, which was an yes. awesome documentary. He has an Oscar. He has a Grammy. He's got loads going on. So he's kind of behind this. Now, um, it's been billed as a live action hybrid remake of the Aristocats. Okay, so that's leaving a lot of people a little bit terrified that it might be along the lines of Cats, the the oh, musical no. movie, yeah, it's like, oh, which gosh. we don't really like to talk about. Where basically they're like half cat, half human, and they have these really weird little faces poking out. Um, so it could be that, but we also think it might be that the humans are humans in this. And the cats are CGI, like the, the animals will be CGI. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're not really sure. Uh, but Aristocats, it's a, it's a great, it's a great, it's one of my favorite Disney movies. It's about three little kittens and their mum who get catnapped um, by an evil burglar because their owner is a widow and she decides to leave her whole fortune to her cats, as is her right. Um, so I think it's going to be good. I think all the Disney live actions have been successful people are going to watch them regardless because it's Disney and people love Disney Um, I hope it's not like the Lion King remake which was very much scene for scene like the animated movie like it'd be nice that they threw in a few different characters a few maybe different plot lines yeah Thomas O'Malley um, yeah the Ali Cash yeah. It's Thomas O'Malley and his jazz pals in this. So it's going to be more <laughs> kind of hip, uh, not hip hop, but, but you know. Uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of jazz. I'd say there's yeah. going to be bebop. A lot yeah. of soul music, I feel, a lot of jazz. And I'm really, of all the live actions, I'm really looking forward to this one. And I, I hope I'm not disappointed because the kittens are just so cute. Yeah, okay. If Questlove is there, I'll, I'd be, I'd be happy. Sign sounds you awful. off. Yeah, it and sounds awful. Does it? I'm so sorry. Yeah, it might I, be. It might be cool. Yeah, Come I, on. I think the, the the live action Disney stuff has been usually successful, mm. but absolutely soulless, terrible to watch. That how I don't know how. Do you know the Lion King was so scene for scene yeah. remake? Yeah, but somehow an hour longer. How did they do that? Uh, the, the stampedes were longer. They added yeah. a couple. I think they did a couple of original songs, didn't they? In the live uh, action one, I can't even. They remember. They milked a few things. Yeah. 
But like, I think because the Aristocats is so old, like it's from 1970, yeah. you know, like the Lion King was pretty fresh in people's minds. So I don't know. I'd love to see Questlove direct an original Disney cartoon. Just an original thing. There's yeah. no need to remake them. No, that is but, true. That um, is true. Well, for well, money, that's for money the purposes. They, they only <laughs> let you in if you're Sorry doing a remake. Or something. Uh, right, plus also they've released uh, the, the trailer for uh, the new Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City. Okay, so this is being billed as the most Wes Anderson Wes Anderson movie um, of all time. And it certainly looks like it from the trailer um, in terms of the plot, the characters. It is like uh, pastel popping colour. It's extremely colourful. It's very kitsch. Um, Tom Hanks is in this and oh. Aliens. What a combination. Yeah. Um, so it centres around a character called Mitch Campbell, who's played by Jason Swartzman, who was in Fantastic Mr. Fox, Grand Budapest Hotel. So he's been in Wes's movies before. Um, he's a widower. His car breaks down in a remote town called Asteroid City with his four kids. And he has to call his father-in-law, Tom Hanks, to come and help him. Now, Tom Hanks doesn't feature heavily in the trailer for this. He's only kind of in a bit at the beginning so I'm not sure how much of a role he's going to have in it uh, but basically this is a very remote town in the middle of the desert and they're all obsessed with space they have this um, this uh, company that helps to track what's going on in space and lo and behold while your man's there they discover that there might be some aliens coming to visit and that is the basic premise of the movie uh, it looks very colourful I think if you like Wes Anderson you're going to really enjoy this. Is it people? Is it li- you know oh, yeah. live action rather than the oh, you know animation? They're, you tend to they're do that real, kind of annoying. Oh yeah, yeah, no, they're real real life people. Now there's no aliens in the trailer, so will they be CGI? Okay. Will they be real people? Remains to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully uh, not. Yeah, hopefully not. We'll see. I'd be I'd be more dubious about that one actually than the than the Aristocats. Yeah. So the only successful Soviet video game was based on the futility of building a wall. Take that, Gorbachev. So that's a good point. Oh, actually, I yes. I wish I'd come up with that line. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, your man, the wine fella, is obsessed with good looks. He's as shallow as a Beaujolais Nouveau twenty three. Uh, my favourite face on wine on a wine bottle is the soldier on the label of Castello Banfi. Brunello, Ooh. says Tim. Yeah, yeah. Tim knows his faces. Uh, can your wine dude recommend a good Malbec? Yeah, loads. Yeah, so don't bother. Uh, let's just move on to the first one. Jesus, if you can't find a good feckin' Malbec himself, I mean, you know, just, what's wrong with Just do them? a little point at the Argentina shelf and you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll land on something half yeah. decent. Yeah. Or the Cahors shelf, southwest France. Okay, yeah. So, um... The two facey wines that we have today, the first of which were, which is in the glass at the moment, is a rosé. It's from Austria, from Bergenland in Austria, which is on the Hungary side. It was um, the part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire that was the fertile land that would have fed a lot of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Um, it's on Lake Neuseidlersee, which gives a very specific climate. And it's interesting because that lake goes drought quite often and can be almost dry but then if you go in January it can it can freeze over totally so it's a it's a really interesting climate we think of Austria like this kind of cold skiing kind of place yeah but actually a lot of it is is quite warm and you make really quite some quite big red wines here this is pink it's a winner it's called Winifred and these guys good ago um, they're from the village of Ogau. Gut just means winery. It's a very inventive name for a state. It's basically the winery from that village. Okay. Um, and But these guys are, they're cult natural wine producers. 
They've been biodynamic since day one in their farming. Biodynamic just means they've taken organic viticulture to a kind of whole new level. It's supercharged organics. Um, They've invented these characters on the label. And it's a little bit, in my mind, like Burgundy. And in Burgundy, you have Grand Cru, you have Premier Cru, you have Village Level. Here they have grandparents, parents and children. Oh, OK. So right. it's, it's a little bit like that. The, the kind of wines for keeping and, and the expensive wines are the grandparents right down to the drinking wines are the, are the kids. This is one of the kids. This is Winifred. And the idea here is that it's quite a fun, spritzy kind of wine, which it is. It has, it has a little bubble. It's um, like vivid pink, loads of strawberry, loads of raspberry. It's a delicious, delicious food wine as well. Um, of the... Of the kind of aristocrats, Wes Anderson. This is definitely in the Wes Anderson camp, <laughs> right. I, I would say. Quirky. Whereas the next wine, the Matsu, is kind of creme de la creme a la Edgar kind oh, of vibe. You quote know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm excited as to see who plays Edgar. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but but they're tiny, tiny production, about 30,000 bottles total. Uh, about a pallet of wine across the family comes into Ireland. So this is a. Now you see it, now you don't kind of wine. Okay, right. And, and how much is it then? This is 40 euros. Okay. What's the ABV in it? Uh, good question. 12. Okay, that's that's very modest. So yes. what, what yeah. you tend to see with a lot of natural wines is they tend to pick the grapes a little bit earlier because in doing that, you maintain higher acid and higher acid gives protection to the wine. Um, a, a lot of natural wine producers don't use sulfites and sulfites is the thing that most wine producers use to protect the wine so they need to kind of make up for that by having high acid or yeah. higher acid yeah it's yeah it's it's, it's nice and zingy for for uh, like surprisingly zingy for a rosé absolutely uh, i must say somebody's texting it to say i've met questlove about four times once in cuba and he's really nice he draws a cool little line cartoon of himself and his autographs Big The Roots fan since the 90s, so was always really excited to meet him. Also, The Roots guitarist let me and my boyfriend into a party one time. Sound guy. Maybe because I complimented his solo. Wow. What that a claim to fame. I know. Well done. Congratulations. Sounds like your best mates with Yeah. Them. That's lovely. <laughs> well, The Roots guitarist let me and my boyfriend into a party one time. Maybe because I complimented his solo. Like, was he... At the door of uh, of the party, <laughs> doing a solo, and then you go, "Wow, cool song! Come in." That's uh, that's the way it works that in real like life. It's a great uh, password. Yeah, it's a great good password. Solo. Complimented us. So, yeah, is that code for something? Did I read something out that people are going to complain about? I'm not sure. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Okay, Simon, how does this work? All right. Once the dead man is revived, we can ask him five questions, at which point he will die again, never to be re-revived. Why five questions? I don't know. That's just how it works. Seems arbitrary. Can we get on with this, please? Right. Yes. Perlamon Tergatis. Maybe I'm not saying it right. <laughs> I wasn't scared. Nearly startled. Here we go. Were you killed in the Battle of the Everhorse? Yes. Great. I mean, uh, not for you. I'm sorry for your loss. Four more questions, right? Yes. No, 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 that, that wasn't for you. Did that count as a question? Yes. Damn it. Only answer when I talk to you, okay? Yes. Why did you say okay at the end of that? I didn't. Fantastic. Where's the shovel? 
Right, that's Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, that's uh, it's a 12-way sort, and it, it's in cinemas, and it's getting really positive reviews as far as I can see, Chris. It is, Sean. The first thing I thought of when I came out of this was that should not have worked quite as well as it did, uh, because going in, my expectations were on the floor. I mean, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, so um, and I don't know, so that means like I don't know my Warlocks from my Bards or my Paladins from my rogues whatever all the characters in there i just thought this is a film based on an immensely popular franchise you know it started out as a board game there were offshoots video games uh, uh comics books there were movies although the less said about the 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 previous attempts to bring this story to the, the cinema the better um but it still is i think there are more people who haven't played dungeons and dragons than than who have and i thought this film is going to talk itself into a corner it's going to spend too long explaining the rules because the rules with dungeons and dragons are just uh, it's just extraordinarily convoluted stuff Okay. And as well as that, you look at the cast and you think, well, there's a mix, there's a mismatch bunch. You know, you've got Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Hugh Grant, uh, Reggie Jane Page. They've all had success in other franchises, but bringing them together, you know, th- and bringing a bunch of actors together who are often miscast, I think, as well, and haven't had success outside of The Fast and the Furious, outside of Bridgerton, outside of Star Trek, you're kind of in trouble. But I should have had a bit more faith. I should have had a bit more faith in Chris Pine because he is the best Hollywood Chris. You know, and I say yeah, this, I say yeah. this as a Chris myself. He's a far superior Chris model. I mean, he is good with drama. He's good with comedy. He's good with thrillers. He's a magnificent face. You know, this show is all about faces today. Um, but like, he's a great frontman. He's just often miscast. He's often in bad films, and his agent, I think, has just been making some terrible choices of late. But anyway, this is all to say that there was so much working against it, or at least I thought there was. And I came out of it th- thinking, wow, that was charming. That was funny. Uh, that was almost as good as the Princess Bride. What? What what went right there? And I think what went right is it, it comes with a very simple story that doesn't over-explain itself. You basically have a bard, you have a Pied Piper type adventurer uh, fella who, whose name is Edgen, he's Chris Pine. He lives a great life until he doesn't. Basically, he has this wife and his daughter. They live in a kind of Hobbit-esque uh, existence in a sort of uh, Tolkien-esque world. Um, his wife is killed by a wizard. He falls apart. This warrior, this barbarian played by Michelle Rodriguez, she comes along and she, you know, uh, uh, makes him remember that he has a daughter to raise and says, like, I think you might make for a good thief because thieving in this world apparently is good. So they do okay. have g- uh, good lives as thieves. But he then hears that there is this ancient relic hiding somewhere or hidden somewhere that will help bring back his wife. So he rounds up this team they go off to find this, you know, impossible MacGuffin. You know, every good story needs one. And they are double-crossed at one stage. I won't give too much away, but let's just say that one of the fellows that, you know, he rounds up for this team to find this relic ends up, you know, crossing him, as does a red wizard. He is played by Hugh Grant. Chris Pine's character, Michelle Rodriguez's character, they spend ages, you know, whiling away in, 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 in a dungeon. And when they get out, they have to, they want to take the revenge on Hugh Grant's character because he's now this powerful lord. He wants to get his daughter back. He wants to get back what's rightfully theirs. And he wants to find this relic to bring back his wife. That's fairly simple. Okay, it? that's yeah. fairly simple. Um, yeah. So that's probably the best thing about it. Uh, the, the, the fact that they don't explain the rules. They don't explain why this bird man over here is talking. They don't explain how this, you know, uh, fella can fly, but this fella can't. I liked that. And I like the fact that you'll see ads for it on buses. Sorry, it sounds like I'm promoting this film. Uh, But you'll see ads on buses for it around the city and it says no experience necessary. And that's a great tagline because Mm. I think it applies to both the story and the audience. Because again, I don't know my D&D. I don't know. The the most I've seen, the most I've experienced of Dungeons and Dragons has been in Stranger Things recently. That's it. Watching other people play it. Um, But you don't have to have seen it. It it didn't hinder my enjoyment not knowing anything about it. There's a great charm behind it. At times it kind of plays out like um, uh, The Princess Bride, as I said. 
it, it, you know, it also tips its hat to the Lord of the Rings. And it's also a little bit like the Marvel films before they disappeared up their own backside. Before the Marvel saga took itself too seriously. Okay. You remember the first Avengers? It was pretty much like, here's an unlikely band of heroes. Here's the bad guy. Yeah. Watch them. Go. Here it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. They're all going to squabble at one point, but they'll all come together and they'll employ wish, they'll employ heart. They will actually become this dysfunctional super family and they'll defeat the bad guy. That's what we have going on here. And there's also a sense too that the the actors are really enjoying themselves. Pine is very charming in this. You know, he's he's kind of all he has is his plans. He's useless with his fists. He can play instruments very well. He can sing, but he knows that he's useless. And then, so you've got like, you know, the, the brawn in one corner, you've got the brains, you've got this druid, you've got this sorcerer who's trying to figure himself out. And I thought, and I think one of the, the, the big takeaways too is, um, you grant. Uh, as a as a villain, he should start. He should start playing only villains now. Remember how good he was in Paddington Two? Oh, yeah, God, yeah, so good. He's yeah, yeah. That. It's more of the same. It's great to see an actor understand that. Okay, they want ridiculousness. They want pantomime esque levels of villainy. That's what I'm going to give them here. So everyone, there's a great chemistry there. There's a great screwball charm. Uh, the only thing I will say, it's a bit long. Okay. It, it almost gets to two and a half hours. Uh, so Yeah, yeah. So yeah. beforehand, I was thinking, well, this is going to be boring and long. It's not. And also, the, the, the sense of humor in it, you heard from that clip there, it has as much fun as possible with the material. Again, you're thinking this is probably to uh, replace the fact that, you know, we could have basically, they could have gone down the road of just trying to explain all the rules. Instead, they put in a, a bunch of jokes. I think that was a clever move. Chris Pine, can he sing? He can. There were times, though, where I was thinking, is that somebody else's yeah. voice? Yeah, I was a little bit unsure. And I should I should say, too, um, this was filmed here. It was filmed in Northern Ireland. Oh, was it? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I did not know this going into it. Although afterwards, you're like, oh, yes, I do recognise that castle. I do recognise that field. Yeah. Um, and by all accounts, they all had a great time here. I think, Sean, that this is going to be a film that you will be constantly turning around to your friends and family and going, no, really, it is good. <laughs> it is. And I would love to see it do well because it's one of the only blockbusters that I've seen maybe in the past six months where I thought I'd watch a sequel to that. But oh. the bus, I don't know who's going to come out for it. I yeah. don't know if it's going to be a huge success. I would love to. I would love if, if you know, if I'm proven wrong and if it makes a fortune at the box office. It, happy days. Give us another one then. Yeah, but if it's called Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, that implies almost there'll be a Dungeons and Dragons something mm. else. Yeah. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Marvel crossover. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Paramount has already um, the the lads of Paramount have already commissioned a television series on this, so that is going to happen Ooh, okay. whether or not another film happens, because you know you can't take the risk on, on on the series. But yeah, go and see this for the first time in a long time. This cast have a hit on their hands um, and I, and also the, 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 the journey from the page to the screen behind the scenes it was just it was carnage to get this film together so mm. it's a success even that the whole thing stands up right <laughs> you know it's actually yeah. it's actually quite entertaining so yeah I could not recommend this more okay uh, some good news for a change that's yeah. good uh, right uh, speaking of sequels a sequel for Up Yes, kind of. It is a sequel. Oh, is it? Yes. But kind of not really. So uh, everyone remembers Up. It was actually back in 2009 is when it it came out, which I would have thought it was about five years ago. Uh, But yes, it is a movie that made everyone cry. We follow the journey of um, Carl um, as we see his wife pass away, Ellie, and he goes on this quest to find Paradise Falls because he promised her that he'd get there one day. It's all very heartwarming and gorgeous and it's really, really nice. Um, So this isn't actually the first time we've had a follow-up, though, to 
Carl and his dog Doug because there was a series released on Disney Plus back in 2021 called Doug Days which followed Carl and Doug uh, after they got back from Paradise Falls. It was like a series of short movies. So we did get to see that. Um, But this is being labelled as a sequel to Up. It's not a feature length movie. It's a short movie. Oh. Yeah, I know. So they kind of built it up now and like it will be really nice, but it was originally supposed to air on just on Disney Plus, but it's actually going to be shown in cinemas before another new Pixar movie called Elemental, which is out in June. So this short oh. is going to be called and you can tell it's going to be really cute and gorgeous, uh, Carl's Date. So it follows Carl when he's agreed to go on a date with a lady friend. It's the first time he's been on a date since his wife Ellie passed away. And Doug, his dog, is obviously going to help him out, like tips on how to get ready, calm the nerves and, you know, tips on how to make friends and that kind of thing. What's funny about this is if you go online, some original Up fans are really like put out by this. They're not happy about the subject. They're like, Carl would never... (laughs) move on from Ellie there's yeah. there's no way he'd go on another date and people are kind of going a bit mad about it uh, but then other people kind of probably more rational people are thinking good for Carl he's moving on with himself and getting back out there in his 80s and I think it's a lovely message it's great but we don't know where Carl's living now is he in the in the is where, he in an actual he house he, uh, um, I think he's living in a house yeah, yeah. would he where are I don't know, did the original house get trashed in the movie? I can't remember I think he, they brought the house back, didn't he? I can't I'm remember. looking at you because yeah, you're the movie guy. The only thing that I can remember... Or, uh, no, it was. It was a terrific film. But whenever anyone asks me about Up, I just think of the first five minutes. Yeah, I um, know. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything after that is like, well, there was a good animation there, but there was a fabulous one at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. that's true. There's also a lot of pressure on this to make people cry. Like, if this doesn't yeah. make you cry, you'll be like... Pfft. Yeah. waste of time this is not oh, no, to do absolutely all. that's yeah. what it's all about yeah Indeed. of course right so and also they've uh, they've uh, announced what the location for the third season of The White Lotus is going to be yeah this is really mm. exciting I think we've all watched it here have we yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, as we know the first two were set in very exotic locations the first one was in Hawaii the second one was in Sicily and Italy and they announced this week that the oh Bally Bunyan please say Bally Bunyan series is Tingle no it's in uh Thailand which is very exotic and very exciting Uh, now the previous two seasons were both set in four seasons resorts and this one is exactly the same so we don't know exactly where it's going to be in Thailand but there's four four seasons in Thailand so there's Chiang Mai there's one in Koh Samui there's one in the Golden Triangle which I'm not sure where that is and in Bangkok but like I don't think they're going to set it in a city I wouldn't say it's going to be in Bangkok so or Chiang Mai, which is also a city. I would say Koh Samui is probably where it's going to be. Um, but that's basically all the details we know about season three of The White Lotus. No spoilers here, but you know, there there was uh, some characters that tied the first two series together. Won't be there anymore, yes. And they won't Absolutely. be there for the third se- uh, season. So we don't know anything about the cast, who's going to be involved. Now, there were rumours this week um, that Danny DeVito might be joining okay. the series. And that's purely because he went for dinner with the show creator of White Lotus, uh, Mike White in LA. And people are like, he's in it. Now, they could just be friends. So that's just wild <laughs> speculation. And they were both hungry. And they the were time. both hungry yeah. at the time. Um, but also, um, people really want Lindsay Lohan to be in the third series. Lindsay Lohan Why? fans are really advocating. I actually think she would work really well. I don't know if you've seen her most recent movie. It was a Christmas movie on Netflix. I can't remember. It was ridiculous. 
But I do think the kind of character she could play would would work well into a White Lotus Spoiled series. Spoiled title brass type scenario. Well, she's kind of redeemed herself in that Christmas movie. Do you remember oh, what it was called? Oh, she did not. It was, what was it called? Something I think ridiculous. it was called like a Christmas wish or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. She's going to have to get acting lessons for us. Oh, it's so good. I really Oh, she's good it. at that kind of thing. But yeah. you don't put her in a, no, in a, in well, a proper drama. People are pushing for this. and um, There's like a campaigns online to get Lindsay Lohan involved. Oh, no. And she, apparently she was on holidays in one, one, in one of these resorts in Thailand a few years ago and people people are now speculating that because she was on holidays there it means she's going to be in this movie. Was there a body found or something while she was there? Potentially. Spoiler alert. Oh my god based on a true story now. <laughs> she's already murdered people in Thailand so you know that's a uh, method acting. It all fits in well. Yeah. Uh, but I'd be happy with uh, two of those Danny DeVito Lindsay Lohan but anyway it'll be in Thailand regardless yeah. it's going to look gorgeous it's going to make you want to go on holidays as all the White Lotuses have. Yeah it's that same thing. Yeah. Have you seen Succession? I the, have the first ep of, of the new thing I have I've watched a couple of them and I'm not allowed to talk about it okay no uh, fair enough but I'm yeah. enjoying myself yeah I will say that no as I was telling you what, during the no during the commercial break because like we tried watching it on now but we hadn't previously watched it on now so we kind of watched this whole episode going this must be a whole flashback episode where they set up the whole thing and it was the first episode of the first series oh. Oh, right. <laughs> so we still haven't seen it excellent uh, so memories I'm sure it's going to be good uh, right uh, can you ask the wine fella where you can buy uh, Rafino Lumina Pinot Grigio in Ireland can find it online but no one ships to Ireland says Alan no pressure oh god I have no idea tick 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 winesearcher.com wine-searcher.com is a pretty good tool yeah for finding all those wines that you had in a restaurant once in 1995 yeah that's the one to go with Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, the Golden Triangle uh, is in where Thailand, Cambodia, and Myanmar meet. I'm telling you this because I was there and wanted you to know, oh, says Benny. You. Okay. I was actually also there. I just temporarily forgot. You wanted to, yeah. Thank he, you, Benny. We, but he was there and he met Questlove there. They oh, went to a party they went together. To a party together. Yeah, there we absolutely. Go. <laughs> uh, I tried a dry Hungarian ferment a couple of weeks ago in London. I can't, uh, with, West, with Questlove, of course. I, I can't find any oat ones in Ireland. Do you know any retailers that would sell it? Such a London drink. Well, why? Why couldn't you have drank something with a face on the label? I mean, is that a, is that a London drink? Formant. I mean, yeah, London is is. I was there for a long time. I can comment on the hipster vibe. It's like, you know what? If you can't say the grape variety or don't have a clue where it's from, then give me an ocean of it, please. Mitchells, um, right? Mitchells that have a shop in Glastool and IFSC import a Hungarian producer, and they do have a dry formant. I don't know if it's oaked though. Right. Okay. Oh, you might have to slum it. It won't be oat. <laughs> uh, right. So, well, actually, let's uh, let's go on to our second face of the day, Mick. Yeah. So th- this wine is called Matsu, and the wine itself is El Picaro. So Matsu have it's it's a young family behind Matsu, and you can kind of tell the wines have a one foot in the modern with the label, etc. A picture of a very handsome man who looks like a Spanish version of Peaky Blinders wearing some sort of paddy cap thing with an unbuttoned shirt and some delightful chest hair on Okay, his yeah, he's looking good. He is yeah. looking good. He's a handsome man. Yeah. But the, the, the family behind this have obviously copped that Spain and wine in the rest of the world is basically Rioja. And they've designed this kind of similar system to Rioja where Rioja has Crianza Reserva Gran Reserva and Matsu have Picaro, young guy, Reccio, middle-aged guy, the Rod Stewart, and El Viejo, 
the old guy. So they're they're basically trying to set up a tier system where you can tell quite easily by looking at them, this is the one that has been aged a little bit longer, this is the one that's been aged a little less long, etc. Mm. And their marketing is absolutely brilliant. I mean, the labels, they are so, so memorable. Um, thankfully, the wine inside the bottle is also very, very delicious. So they're, they're very full-bodied reds. They're made from Tempranillo, which is the, the main grape variety in Rioja. Um, this is Toro, so it's central Spain. It's hot Spain. I mean, these guys happily have 40-degree heat for weeks on end in the summer and also happen to have snow then in the winter. So it's, it's, it's very, very like warm continental climate that they have. The Tempranillo in Rioja tends to be quite cool, quite elegant style-wise, and then mm. they bump it up with oak. Um, here, they don't really need to bump it up with oak. They're already big wines, but then they do anyway. So it's a little bit like the volume is up to 12, and they're they're massive wines. These are like absolutely perfect barbecue-style wines, and few wines are better with the likes of a rare steak or whatever. They're, they're, they're massive wines. Yeah. Um, these guys also happen to be farmed biodynamically, um, which again is that supercharged organics. These wines also happen to be vegan, which makes them all the better with your rare steak. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> it kind of balances out in terms of guilt. Exactly. Yeah. How do they make it vegan? They don't you do the filings. There, there, there's, a, there's a massive set of rules that goes behind certification for getting wine to be vegan. But in the olden days... They used to use things like bull's blood or um, fish guts or um, what was the other one? Milk. Yeah. Um, so like milk protein. So less less interesting than bull's blood, <laughs> obviously. But um, basically they used to use protein in order to find the wines for protein stabilization. So they would add egg whites. You add Isinglass. You add bull's blood. Obviously, bull's blood has been out for a very, very long time, I should say. (laughs) Now, the way that you fine a wine is by adding something called bentonite. Um, It is much cheaper than any of the kind of animal-style products. So, So most people would do fining like that. The other way that you can do fining in wine is just give it time. So like what what fining is doing is effectively the same thing as filtration. It's just trying to make a clear wine. Mm. So right. you, you give wine time and gravity looks after that. In okay. General. Bentonite sounds like a planet it's, it's, it's in a movie. Clay. It's clay. It's probably oh. something that like Superman is, I was going to say allergic to, but y- you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, no, it could be. Yeah, you know, like he gets a bit of a rash. Gets a little rash. <laughs> yeah. a sneeze. Uh, whenever he comes near uh, bentonite. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Golden Triangle is actually Thailand, Myanmar and, and Laos. Cambodia oh. way further south. So that's an answer to the person who claimed to have been there. Uh, Richard the Thatcher says, uh, is there any truth in the rumour that Marty Morrissey might be cast in the upcoming series of White Lotus? I heard well, he went for dinner, yeah. Yeah, obviously he'd be brilliant, but his GAA fans would really miss him on the telly. Uh, well, maybe you could combine the two. He's a visiting GAA something. Uh, I'm new to, uh, to Dublin from London and trying to work out why the percentage of alcohol on the cider and beer seems to be lower in the shops than in the UK. Do you know where I can get a cider above 5%? I think the Aspels and Henry Western bottles, I don't mind the price, just find weak cider horrible, says Brian. So Brian. I, I think some of that is that we tend to have Irish ciders available and it tends to be 
in, in the UK tends to be stuff from the southwest of England, which are much drier styles and tend to be a little bit more alcoholic because they've gone through the whole fermentation. Breton cider, so like any of your good local off licenses will have stuff from Brittany and will have stuff from the southwest of England. And that's where you'll get really dry styles with a slightly higher booze content. Right. Okay, so uh, Rachel, if you're uh, the offspring of Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher, you have to get out and get a job like everybody else. Yeah, go get yourself a job. And like, they're only kids, so but they need to start thinking about their future. Uh, yeah, there was a story out this week that uh, both these actors have said they're not going to leave any of their money to their kids. And they're worth about $275 million Jesus. between them, which yeah. is a significant amount of money. Yeah. Uh, they have two kids and they said, no, they won't be leaving a trust fund for their kids. Uh, they're actually planning in fairness to give a lot of it away, away to charity which is very nice uh, but he said yeah that he was like um, unless the kids have very solid business plans they're not going to help them out and he was very specific he was like yeah but only if they're good business plans then we might give them some money uh, so yeah but a lot of celebrities have kind of have said this over the years like some big celebrities Gordon Ramsay who's worth over 200 million dollars as well um, has said he's not giving any money to his kids uh, he says they haven't earned it he doesn't want to spoil them uh, he said he will give them 25% deposit on a flat but that's it only a quarter not the full well where's full the flat going to be if it's Dublin uh, that's well, probably most of his fortune uh, uh, gone there anyway we, we, we better uh, move on to our second uh, movie of the day it is Tetris here's a clip yeah. Tracy yeah. Tracy what are you doing How's it going? Look, I just invited this young lady over to see how our new game fares with the female audience. Uh-huh. Sure. Come on, Tracy. Pay you to sell my game, not play other people. Relax, Hank. This game is swell. What's it called? Tetris. Tetris. I don't get it. It's a combination of tetra, Greek for four, all the game's pieces are variants of four, and tennis. Tennis. Tennis is supposedly the Russian inventor. He um he likes tennis. Here, Hank, quiet. Right. Okay. So that, that actually that gives us the gist of what's going on here. It does. Yeah. Essentially, and like what I mentioned earlier, there were plans at one stage to make a real Tetris film. Yeah. Uh, I think it was back in 2014 that uh, there were plans to turn the beloved video game into a proper sci-fi epic, and we were just chatting away beforehand that Tron was looked at in terms of how you know it would look and how it would feel. But yeah. can you imagine if you know someone like we mentioned the earlier, Chris Pine? Imagine him running away from building blocks falling on his head or it just it, it, yeah. it was a terrible yeah. idea which never came to light thankfully but the story behind Tetris had been kind of bubbling away for a while and it fell to John S. Baird who made did you see Stan and Ollie a few years ago the Laurel and Hardy film no. with John C. Riley, yeah, Steve Coogan yeah. gorgeous gorgeous film about the time in Laurel and Hardy's lives when they're uh, basically when, when people stopped showing up for the films but at the end of their career and it was all about the uh, uh, potential end of their, of their friendship as well so a filmmaker who knows what he's doing and knows how to tell a good story uh, and teams up with uh, Taron Edgerton who played um, Elton John in Rocketman he played Eddie the Eagle um, and was recently brilliant as well in, in Apple's Blackboard and they're telling the story of how this Dutch-American entrepreneur his name was Hank Rogers portrayed by Edgerton 
He is selling and try, or at least trying to sell. He's a gaming entrepreneur based in Japan, trying to sell his own game at a convention in Las Vegas in 1988, but it's not going very well because he keeps creating games that are far too difficult and not at all enjoyable. And the fellow next to him, as you heard there, is plugging Tetris. So Tetris is already a hit back in Russia, but no one outside of the USSR has actually heard mm. of this game. And he's addicted after five minutes. So he goes to his bank manager. He also goes to Nintendo and he tells them, I have this game. Give me money to go and get this, you know, the, the, the licensing the rights for this game and he is there at the right time in Nintendo because they're about to launch the Game Boy which he thinks is the most beautiful thing he's ever seen and he convinces the lads at Nintendo to package Tetris before he even has the rights to Tetris with this new Game Boy so he's going to have to go to the USSR and unfortunately he is going to have to go up against the Maxwell Media Empire and I never knew this that they actually had a hand through a software company called Mirasoft in the computer rights for Tetris so I won't go into the details because the film gets very complicated when it comes to the licensing rights when it comes to like the, yeah. the, the licensing wars about who had the computer rights who had the handheld rights because there was no such thing as a handheld device but essentially our boy Hank goes to Soviet era Russia befriends the guy who actually created the game his name is Alexei Pechenov um, and tries to you know show him I'm not like the rest of the capitalists I'm a cool guy and I will make sure you get paid for what you do but unfortunately he doesn't he's a little naive Hank doesn't think that the KGB will be involved of course they're going to be involved so it turns into a bit of of a cartoonish Cold War thriller. It sounds a little bit complicated. It sounds a little bit top heavy, and there's a, like there's a bit too much going on. There is. There were times where I thought, "Wait, hold on. Who wants the game? And who owns the? G- and, mm. and what? What? What are they all talking about?" But it's very entertaining. R- r- ludicrously so at times because John S. Baird and the producer Matthew Vaughn they had this idea to have these eight-bit cartoon kind of Game Boy-like interludes to split the story up. So you have different levels. You're introduced to the characters as though they're as though they're Mario at times, <laughs> and the and the teen tune all the way through the film is the do 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 do. So it's that it's that old Russian uh, uh, folk tune that you know the the, the filmmakers have, have implemented into the score. So that kept me on side. The performance of Taron Egerton kept me on side because he is usually likable, and we do want to see him succeed. It does get a little bit silly, you know. You've got KGB fellows running after the, the the video game developers, the guys who actually created the game and created the Tetris company. That would be Rogers. That would be patching off they said up until a point it is a true story and then artistic license came in okay but they were enough. okay with that and i yeah. am too because yeah. I had, it's it's a blast uh, and this is on apple plus TV. it's on apple plus tv yeah okay good stuff movies and booze i'm moncrief on news talk